Welcome to Health Plus Tech, the show where we explore the law that applies at the intersection of healthcare and technology. Your hosts, Andrea Linna and Kristen Woodrum, are healthcare attorneys and partners at McGuire Woods LLP, a law firm of over 1,000 attorneys with offices throughout the United States and the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Health Tech Podcast. I'm Andrea Linna. I'm a healthcare attorney and partner at McGuire Woods and one of the co-hosts of the Health Plus Tech Podcast. I also help lead the digital health innovation and technology subgroup here at McGuire Woods. I'm thrilled to not have one, but two amazing women on the podcast today. I have a new co-host, Kristen Woodrum. So Kristen is a fantastic attorney and inspiring female leader. Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Andrea. I'm Kristen McDermott Woodrum. I am a partner in the healthcare department of McGuire Woods. I am based in Atlanta, but today I'm in beautiful and sunny Chicago. I focus my practice um, on helping providers and investors in all areas of the peer continuum. And I especially like the challenge and fun of helping stand up innovative and new care delivery and payment models. That's awesome. Well, excited to have you as a co-host. That's, Thank you. Uh, we look forward to recording many podcasts. And then I'm thrilled to have Sarah Tepema on the podcast. She is from Wildflower. Sarah does some impressive and important work in the healthcare equity space, and it's been really fun to talk to her a couple of times and prep for this podcast. So excited to have her share her thoughts and ideas with the audience. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Andrea. And thanks, Kristen. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah. So if you could introduce yourself, Wildflower, your work, that would be fantastic. Sure. Yeah. So I'm an actuary. I, have you had an actuary on your podcast yet? Am I the first? Oh, I'm no, so excited. I get you're to be the first. first. Okay, good. This is a story. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so I have, I've been a healthcare actuary for about 30 years, actually longer. Um, in the past decade or so, I've spent my time focused on value-based care and working with providers and how risk shifts between payers and providers. And um, I got into that because I really saw the need, you know, working in both employee benefits and then in the payer world, see the need for providers to responsibly be taking on more risk. And then, you know, we're seeing this proliferation of risk-bearing entities. So it's really exciting time to be an actuary in this space. Um, And um, I joined Wildflower earlier this year and um, I was a consultant to Wildflower before that. And the reason that I got hired was we we were brought on as consultants to um, design a custom bundle of care for Wildflower. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, and um, so we, you know, we, th- there's a lot of reasons that they needed a customized bundle of care, um, but we were able to kind of bring a data-driven model that helped us understand the best way to um, to shift the risk in a, in, and a way that would be, we th- think, appealing to payers as well as providers. So um, anyway, Leah, our Wildflower CEO and founder, um, asked me to come on board. And at first I, I said, well, I don't know if this timing is right. And then I said, wait a minute, I don't want to give this role away to somebody else because this is just too exciting to be part of this journey. Um, Wildflower, just to talk a little bit about us, we are um, a women's health value-based care enablement solution and a digital health solution. We have a digital foundation that activates women and, and helps their, them and their families connect to care. We've started out with pregnancy, but we're quickly expanding into all women's health, which is really very exciting. 
Um, we, we began 10 years ago, actually. So we've been around a while, but we've just been an app for pregnant women. And in the last couple of years, we've gotten funding to build out this value-based care solution. And now we're bringing in um, health advocacy and coaching, remote patient monitoring, a, a virtual care network to help fill in all the gaps, for example, rural gaps or even urban gaps that are, you know, that are more um, access gaps. Um, and then also a lot of really beefed up content in our app. And so the, the goal is to um, sit between the payer and the provider and um, enable patient engagement and enable um, a full suite of solutions that help women really manage their care and their, especially their pregnancy, which is where we're starting. Yeah, that's awesome. I was telling Sarah, I just had a baby. So I'm like super pumped about this, uh, this um, application, this company, because I realize now just how incredibly important it is and what a big journey that is, especially for the first time. Yeah. So I know you are passionate about health equity. So can you talk about how digital health can positively influence health equity? Sure. And, and you know, I, I could talk about this topic all day. So, but I'll <laughs> so jump in if I start to, get to go too far. But really, um, you know, when, it, when you think about health equity, uh, it's, it's about addressing people at, at the point of need and what they need, not necessarily giving everybody the same thing, but giving everybody what they need to have the same outcome. And so it's a pretty important distinction. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, there's a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation graphic with the bicycles. Have you seen that where, so basically what it shows no, is- Oh, I haven't. Okay, so there are four, there are four people. Um, there's a, a, a child, a mid-sized person, a tall person and a disabled person. And they're all given the same bicycle. Well, only one of them can fit that bicycle. But in the next picture, you see that's so that's equality. They all have received the same bicycle. Um, but then the next picture, you see um, four different bicycle styles. There's a little child's bike. There's a really tall person's bike. And then there's like the um, the disabled person, you know, the um, I'm blanking on the name, but the, the bike that somebody who you know can power with their arms. And so that's equity because everyone is getting what they need to have the same outcome. So anyway, it's a, it's a, it, I've used it in presentations and I've seen it used a lot in, in yeah. but it's a really great way to illustrate the difference between equality and equity. Um, and so I guess when I think about, you know, equity for pregnant women, um, this really means a few things and, um, you know, would love your thoughts on this too, but, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that we're hearing is that patients don't feel listened to. And, um, you know, this is particularly true for women and for women of color, especially. And so, you know, the medical community, there's a lot of, I don't know if you've seen articles lately about medical gaslighting, but there's a lot of um, literature about this now. And, and women just don't feel like their providers listen to them. And so um, that's a big, big issue with equity in, in terms of getting people what they need, because if you're not listened to, you can't get what you need. Um, I would see, I would say also related to equity is, is addressing the needs of women um, in the context of their social factors. So, you know, they, they missed a prenatal appointment and a, and a provider practice could have all sorts of preconceived notions about why that is. They don't care about their child or they, you know, they, whatever it is. And, and maybe they just couldn't find a babysitter for their older child. And maybe that visit could have been done via telehealth very easily. They didn't have to see them in the office that day, but the patient didn't realize that. So they just blew it off. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you need to understand that social context. 
Um, and I would say too, like just understanding what's blocking their way. Maybe they needed transportation to get to that visit, or um, you know, maybe they don't understand because they don't. Their English is not um, their first language. And so, what what's blocking the way for them to understand what it is that they can advocate for themselves? And so, can we help them to advocate? Can we help them? in their language, in their context, with based on their education level? Can we help them address all the things that are blocking right, you know, give them the right size bicycle so that they can do that, do it themselves. Um, and then I think too, like we're focused on, we're gonna focus on that, that you know, the 80-20 rule. We're gonna find the women that are really particularly in need of help, um, you know, managing hypertension, managing gestational diabetes, um, can we get them remote monitoring for their hypertension, you know, blood pressure cuff at home. And when that blood pressure cuff goes off and gives us an alert, can we, we get that to the physician practice right away so that that patient can, um, you know, be monitored more actively in the office. Um, we're not here to, we're not performing medical care wildflower, but we are enabling it to, to be easier for both the provider and especially for the patient. So anyway, in terms of equity, that's how I say it. I don't know if there, if you have other yeah. thoughts on that, because I'd love to hear. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, like I was just talking about going through the experience, having a source of education too, I think is so critical because even in my position, I'm a healthcare attorney, right? I deal with providers all the time. This should be something so easy for me to navigate, right? And even for me, it was you know, you spend half the night up Googling all this stuff, like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen to my child, this and this right. and this, and I have too much coffee or like whatever. And, um, you know, you're reading all these blogs from Susie in Oklahoma or whatever. Right. Like, is this reliable? Like, I have no idea. I don't have one source really to go to for those questions. And then you go to your provider and they act like you're crazy, right? Like, oh, why are you worried about this? Like, this is so random or whatever. So I think having that resource, I mean, and again, I think about my experience and I'm so lucky and I have a great job. I live in a great neighborhood. I have all these wonderful things. And it's like, I still found it confusing. So I can't imagine having um, where you can't, you can't find transportation or babysitters or whatever. I mean, it just, I, it just opened my eyes to how, I still can't imagine how hard that would be, but you know, it gives me a little more insight into that. That's a great point. And I don't think our physicians want us getting our healthcare from Google, Andrea. Um. <laughs> all of it. And there's so much time. I'm like literally up all night long, just Googling who knows what. Yeah. I've, I've done it too. Um, but <laughs> it does have the potential to help educate patients accurately and to engage patients and to also break down the silos in healthcare. So Sarah, I would love your perspective on the role in digital health on driving value-based care and, and better outcomes and, and patient experience. Yeah, so I think what, you know, over the last several years, we've seen this big shift of value-based care. And the whole notion is that we're taking the risk from like the, the kind of the top of the food chain as the payer and shifting it down to providers. Um, and what we've, you know, we, we did that and we really didn't give providers any tools. <laughs> Some of them did it really well because they, they either had those tools or they figured it out really quickly and others are still struggling with that. And others are too small to really invest and, um, and would like to participate, but just can't, can't catch up enough to, to invest whatever it takes to like get their practices ready, get them, you know, get the infrastructure in place that they would need. And so I really think that's the huge 
opportunity for digital health and value-based care is that we can come in and, and really manage a lot of that. We can, we can help those providers to like do things, reporting and, um, you know, backend feedback. And the biggest thing though, I think we can help with is patient engagement. And, and that is of course the hot buzzword for everybody right now is how do you engage patients and um, what's, you know, because gosh, patients right now with everything that's going on, like, they, you know, they have too much to think about. We have to make it really easy for them, convenient, interesting, and fun, you know, to your point, Andrea, you know, you like, how do we parse out the million, the all night Google, like <laughs> doom scroll and make it something that's targeted for them. That really is relevant to them, um, helps them understand their issues best and can cust, you know, it's very custom to what they need. So to, to me, that's really, we're, we're, we're sitting again, we're sitting between the payer and the provider trying to optimize like the patient's involvement in that. Um, and um, so we hope we, we think we provide continuity and we also think that this adds value and doesn't make an additional layer of complexity, but instead adds value to the whole process. Um, and then, and then to the extent that there's value, we, we share in that with the payer, but we also actually share a portion of our value with the providers. And we're, we have sort of different models of that, you know, some providers um, are small. So we're trying to do that in a way that's appropriate, that rewards quality and efficiency without um, making it too capital intensive or, or, you know, too much downside risk for us or for them. Um, so we, we've, we feel like we've built some, we've built some structures that help us do that. Uh, you know, my job as the actuary is to measure improved outcomes and then make sure that we can all win financially from that. So um, we think that our solution does that, but, but anything, any, you know, I've worked with several digital companies in my consulting life and um, I think all of them have a really interesting niche that they can fill. And the question is, is, you know, always, is that worth enough to a payer to pay attention to? And number two is, um, you know, is the, is the patient going to be engaged with this and how are you engaging the patient in the best way? That's interesting. I was going to ask you next, Sarah, about some of the challenges, and you've just described challenges for the patients, for the providers, and for the payers. And so I'm interested in um, what you're excited about and how you and your role as an actuary and you and your position and this new digital health tech-enabled patient-engaging platform, um, which I'm very excited about, can help solve for some of those problems. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things that I think about all the time is data. And as you all probably, you know, you hear about this, but data is a huge challenge. Um, and it's also a huge opportunity right now. So, um, you know, we, we, since we don't own data as the digital health company, we are, we want, we, of course, we want to get our hands on it. And um, when we have gotten our hands on some and, and we're really, um, we get really excited. And I think, you know, payers are challenged because they can't, they have to be very careful about how they share data. And I've worked for a pair. I know this. And at the same time, it's like, you know, so where can we find that sweet spot of, of HIPAA compliance and, um, and yet, and, and, you know, meaningful use, but without, um, without like oversharing and giving too much. So we're, we work through that with every pair that we work with. Um, and I think the other element of data that's also really a really cool, exciting opportunity is data that addresses health equity, like we talked about earlier, and social determinants data. You know, that is a kind of a budding industry, really. There are tons of organizations that are starting to do this. Um, we're exploring those. We're also exploring just home growing our own 
um, you know, different data sources that we can marry in. I mean, our goal is to, is to integrate, you know, payer claims data, EMR data, and then all of the data that we're bringing in from our app, you know, things like, you know, patient information and patient engagement numbers, um, survey data, we're, we're surveying our members constantly about different things and especially about their providers and their payer experience so that we can give that back to the providers and the payers and share with them, hey, you know, here's what we're hearing from your members. Um, you know, and, and we're constantly updating that. And so we're, we're trying to build that sort of continuous learning loop that lets us get better at what we're doing, but also so that we can share with our partners and, and, and report, you know, in a meaningful way that helps them get better too. But, but really that in terms of equity and social determinants data, um, we're collecting that. And we think that, you know, to the extent that we're able to share that back, we will. Um, but we're also using it to understand and kind of build our own, you know, artificial intelligence models around how that will, you know, how does that, how is that influencing care? And then how can we get better at it? You know, one of the interesting things related to data, and I work on a, in a health equity work group, um, we've talked about this a lot, is how do you, how do you use health equity to improve quality and, and improve equity without watering down sort of the, the quality, um, you know, because you can, you, you know, of, for example, you know, a physician group has a particularly vulnerable population. Um, do you, do you give them a pass because, or, or a lower quality target just because they've got this vulnerable population. And if you do that, are you compromising the care that those folks are getting? I mean, you don't, that's at the end of the day, it's all about the patient and the member and you don't want to be doing that. So we're, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of us actuaries in this field right now are struggling with that. And how do we, how do we address it and how do we do it in a way that's ethical and responsible? So challenges all around, but it's exciting to hear how you all are addressing those. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. Super interesting. Well, Thank you, Sarah, for being a guest. Um, this was a fantastic conversation, really interesting, great way to spend um, my morning. And so we're gonna be posting our vidcast on YouTube and our social media pages. And you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcast on. And thank you everyone for listening.